Amen. Amen. Today is Vision Day for Cross Point. We're looking at our church and what God is doing in our church and the future. What does this year hold? So um, we have lots of things going on. If you've been part of Cross Point Church for the last year and a half, maybe two years, it's been a wild ride. There have been quite a few changes, and we are continuing to do things that we can do to, to be better at being the church that the Lord wants us to be. A couple of things as we get started. It's Vision Day, and we're taking on this new idea. Maybe it's new for you, maybe it's not, called the invitation. The invitation. When was the last time, if you're part of our church, you've been here more than one time, when was the last time you invited somebody to come to Jesus or come to church? You just think about that in your mind. Well, maybe it's been a little while. We want to help you because this next year, the vision is to reach people with the gospel, to reach them and bring them in that they would grow and then be sent out to be, uh, make disciples and be part of the mission. So to do that, we're helping you. We want to give you some, an invite card this year. We've revamped it, revitalized it, and we're doing that by means of a contest. I sat there and, you know, um, I'm okay at a few things. There are a few things or even more things that I'm not okay at, and creativity is one of those things I'm not very good at. So uh, we just put, we just enlisted about 10 people from the church who are kind of created and gifted that way and put on a contest. Who could come up with the best invitation card for 2017? And whoever won the contest, that would be the card that we're going we're to order 5,000 of them. We're going to challenge our people to hand one out every week. Staff is going to have some embarrassing consequences for any time they don't hand one out per week. We're going to have some fun with it. But, uh, but I want to introduce the design and, um, and the design winners, plural, this morning. So first of all, first place, the number one staple invitation card that we're going to be using this year is awarded to Pastor Matt Beck. And there it is. Matt, come on up here. Where, did he leave? Come on. Come on up here. So there's the front of this card and there's the back. It'll be the size of a business card. It will have tons of them available. We're going to order them this next week, and you can take at least one per week and hand that out to somebody. And the idea is the more that we do that, the more we'll be open to bringing others into our church. Second place winner, and we're going to use this. Come on up here, Matt. Come on. The second, I'm going to call um, the second place. Go ahead and put that one up there. Chaplain Jim, would you come on up here? Come on. Now, Chaplain Jim didn't win it before you clapped for him. He didn't win it. His son-in-law won it. Okay? Uh, you helped. Okay. But we made this out to Franklin, your son-in-law, because, um, because he's not here and we want him to come here. So we figure if we give him some money and a card and he wins, bribery. then he'll come. Okay, bribery. Matt, there's your first place winning award. It just happened to be staff. There's Chaplain Jim's, and there were, there were others involved too. But listen, this is what we're going to do. Watch the back of the second card. Go ahead and flip that over and show the back side of that one. That one is going to be our card designed for teenagers and children. So you see the, it has our CPK logo on it for kids and, and the youth ministry so that our kids can also be inviting friends and handing out invitation cards to their friends too. Okay, there's the two cards that we'll be using. Thanks so much, guys. You put a lot of time into it. We appreciate it. They'll be available next, next couple of weeks, and we'll announce and be talking about them. We'll be talking about them so much that I suspect at some point you might get just a little bit tired of hearing about it, just a little bit. But that's the whole idea together. Okay, we're looking at the big picture this morning. And if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. The big picture. What is in store for Cross Point this next year? What does our future look like? Last year, you know, we set off on the mission of renewing and rebuilding. 
and we did a fine job. We're going to talk about the, a little bit of a reporting on that tonight at the meeting. But, um, but God has certainly moved, and we have a foundation for evangelism and discipleship. And we're rebuilding our structure and then building bridges with the community, the three things that we set out to do. This next year, now we have a foundation. We're going to seek to build on that foundation. And to build on it, we need to look at the church. The church. You know, today is a confusing time for the church. If you're a non-churchy person and you just start visiting different churches or checking out their websites or, you know, asking some questions, today is more chaotic, more discombobulated in church life than I think at any time in history. Maybe back just after the Reformation, it might have been just as confusing. But I mean, every church has their own slogan and their own plan, right? Every church has their own uh, wild, sometimes dramatic and radical strategy and um, way that they're going to reach the community and do church. And, and, and we've even have this extreme variety of different ideas of the identity of the church, what is the church really supposed to be, and what are we really supposed to be doing? And I'm a little bit confused. I mean, you can get dizzy looking at all the churches and all the answers. It's time for some simplicity, don't you think? I mean, we've got too much information going on here in America, and the church has jumped right in the middle of that game. So let's slow it down and simplify. What really is the church? Let's go. Now, I'm gonna, you're Matthew 28. I'm going to just read for you something that Jesus said a little earlier, Matthew. Let's go to the author himself. Let's go to the one who's responsible for creating this thing called church, who's building it today. Jesus said, speaking to Peter, And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, now listen carefully, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, so whatever this church is, Jesus said it was something that he was responsible for building. That means he determines the purpose, he determines the process, and he's responsible for the results. When Jesus claims to be the one, the exclusive builder of the church, then we can look to him and say, okay, if it's your church, if you're the one building it, Jesus, what is it supposed to look like? What is it supposed to do? Who are we as the church? And if you study his words and listen to what the things that Jesus said, here's what you learn. The purpose of the church is to make disciples. It's to make disciples. You say, wait a minute, I thought the purpose of the church was to do this. Or I thought the purpose of the church was to glorify God. I thought the purpose of the church was to minister to people. I thought the purpose of the church was for worship, that we can gather and worship him together. To be salt, to be light. There's a lot of different parts but let me tell you how God is, now watch this church, exclusively glorified. His choice, not mine. He says, I will be glorified when the church makes disciples. You see, so it's a little bit misleading to say, but the church is supposed to be glorifying God. Let's go after some things that glorify God. No, 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 no. We don't have the right to do that. We're not the builders of the church. We are to glorify God, but in order to do that, we do exactly what he says to do. And he says, make disciples. That glorifies me. That's what the mission of God is. That's what the heart of God is. God's heart right now, 2017, in the entire world, is to redeem man. To redeem them. By grace, to draw them back into relationship. That's what God is doing. And when that happens, God is most glorified. That's how he builds his church. Now, you're in Matthew 28. 
Let's start with the end in mind, shall we? Let's look, if making disciples is how he glorifies himself, that's what the purpose of the church is, what does the end product look like if that really happens? What's a successful version of Jesus building his church and disciples being made? Right? Well, what is a disciple we have to look at? Because, you know, we have in church life today made a disciple a lot of different things. But what did Jesus say about a disciple? Let me just show you quickly three of them. First one is in John 13. Read it with me up. You can see it on the screen or in your Bible. He said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. This is, well, this is what it looked like if you have love for one another. So we're talking about a disciple of Jesus Christ who loves people like Jesus loves people. And a love for one another, when that really truly happens, he says, then that's a mark of my disciple. That's what the end product will look like. Secondly, in John 15... Verse 7 and 8, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, by this my Father is glorified. Remember? How's the, I thought the purpose of the church was to glorify God. It is. How's God glorified? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You, you see, the fruit, the results that come from a disciple, come from being discipled into being like Jesus. So if you abide in me, Remain in me, do what I tell you to do, do my things, then you will begin bearing my fruit, and that is what a disciple looks like. So a disciple is one who loves like Jesus loves. A disciple is one who bears God's fruit. God's fruit, not man's fruit. And then finally in Luke chapter 14, Jesus says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot Please don't ruin your Bible by inserting something other than cannot right there. Can not be my disciple. You see what he's saying? My disciple, what does it look like, this disciple? One who bears his cross, whatever sacrifice, whatever life purpose it takes to come after Jesus. To do what Jesus does. To walk where he walks. To go where he goes. You see? What a disciple looks like is one who loves like Jesus, one who bears Jesus' fruit, and one who goes and does what Jesus does. So if I say to you today that the heartbeat of Jesus, the heartbeat of God himself is to redeem man by grace, then that's what a disciple must be doing. Nothing else will ever replace the disciple who follows after Jesus and does exactly the things that Jesus does. That's what a disciple looks like. So with that end in mind, that's the end product. That's the goal. Vision 2017, there it is. We want to make those. We want to make people like that. Well, how do you do that? Matthew 28, probably one of the most well-known verses, but it's so packed with really relevant instruction for us. Really good help. I want to break it down and look at it. And we're going to talk about this process all year long. Maybe for the next five years. Maybe the next 10, 15, 25 years. This is the process. So Jesus has just been raised from the dead. He'd been crucified on the cross, died for the sins of the world. And after being raised from the dead, coming back to life, defeating sin, he shows up to the disciples 
And they're afraid at first. And he says, don't be afraid. Go tell them to meet me in Galilee. I have something for them there. And he's going to tell them this message. You see, he's going to tell disciples this. I will build my church to do what? To make disciples. Now his last message. Here's how you're going to do it. Here it is. Verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hey, folks, that's how Jesus is building his church. And so I say to you that if there is a group of Christians who are gathered to do something other than this, they are not being his church. They are church by name and by identity and and even by the sign out front, but they're not being his church until this is happening in the church. Go and make disciples. I'm going to break it down into three steps, three words. We have them up here. Grace, grow, and go. And I want to introduce it to you this morning as a process. What is 2017 about at Crosspoint? This is our church process. Process is the same as mission. The mission of Jesus Christ is to go make disciples. The process is us doing it, right? All authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. Therefore, therefore, since all authority has been given to me, I'm the one in charge, Jesus says, therefore go. You Take the message of the gospel, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I have taught you. Make them into my disciples. And it's a process. And if as a church, if we could simplify all the activity and all the the, the events and all the promotion and resources, and I mean, sometimes I just think, poor people in church, you, you guys get just overwhelmed with information from us sometimes as the church leaders. I mean, it's just, what? How do I keep up with all that? Let's simplify it. It's all about grace, grow, and go. The first word, grace. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Well, what does it take, first of all, to make a disciple of Jesus Christ? A disciple of Jesus Christ is one who can And does walk in his likeness, abiding in him and becoming like him. So, in order for that to happen, first, a person must experience the transformation that comes with salvation. They must become saved, redeemed, forgiven of their sin. Jesus died on the cross. He had just literally rose up from the dead the greatest act of grace ever in the history of mankind. And with that message, Peter, on that rock, I will build my church. Disciples go with that message and make disciples. They first must learn to accept Jesus Christ's offer of salvation of sin. Every single person has a choice to make, and we are the ones that offer them the choice. You say, I thought God does that. Well, of course he does, but what is he telling you to do? Go and tell them, go, I'm so frustrated with church life today, not just here in Reading, but everywhere in the world, that's all about 
come. Come to us. Come enjoy. Come experience. We'll meet all your needs and we'll do everything we can for you to appease you, to satisfy you. That's not what the message says. Do you realize the only thing that people need is the gospel? The only thing they need is to be forgiven of their sins. And there's only one way for that to happen. And it's through Jesus Christ. And God's gracious gift is offered to them. And we must take it. We must proclaim it. We must go out into the world and constantly, consistently, everywhere we turn, present the good news so that people who are lost and hopeless and don't know the good news might make a choice. That they would receive Christ as Savior. The gospel, grace, Sharing the gospel is central to everything we do as a church. It must drive every single ministry, every single announcement, every single ounce of purpose that we have must be driven by this first and foremost. It's not about growing a church, by the way. I think that's sometimes where, as church leaders, maybe even as church people, we get off track. It's It's not about growing a church. It's about God's church growing his kingdom. It's about every single soul, every single person redeemed unto Christ coming into the church context so that they can learn to obey all the things that he teaches us and become more and more like him. That the kingdom of God is filled with disciples of Jesus. That's what church is about. And sure, if that's happening, if we're successful at that, the church is going to increase in size, in width, in depth. But it starts with grace. It starts with the message of the gospel. And by the way, who are we? Who are we to ever even consider stopping this process? If if God himself said, This is my mission right here, folks. You you see the arrows from grace to grow to go. If that is, God says, that's my mission. Who are we to jump right in the middle of that process and then just stop and say, I don't want to reach anymore. It's too hard. I don't want to be embarrassed sharing the gospel. Who are we to stop the mission by not taking the grace and the message of the gospel to everybody we know? We don't have that right. We don't have that place. Churches shouldn't even be considering anything less. But it's a little bit convicting for me when I read that. When I understand that that's the heartbeat and the mission of God, then what am I doing? What else am I doing here? To make disciples, you must lead them to salvation by grace. That has to be the first step. Hey, can I just remind you? Let's... I think this might help you. As a church, look around just for a minute. Just look around the room. Take a good look at all these wonderful-looking people. Some more wonderful-looking than others. I get it. But, hey, it's grace, right? We accept each other as we are. Look around. It would be helpful for you to join me in this. Don't think about the church mission in terms of the people in this room. Think about the church mission in terms of the ones who have not yet received the gospel being in this room. And every time one joins, and and it's more than this room, right, becomes part of the church body, every time that happens, we have a greater force to go out into the world and touch more people with the grace of the gospel. 
And so if we just look at, well, what do we need to do as a church for, the, for us right here? We'll miss a very important, the first component of the mission of God, our church process, is we must always, first and foremost, before anything else, reach the unreached with the gospel. I know, you say that over and over again, and it's just kind of the thing we hear in church. I'm going to be really, really pushy about this, church. Are we doing it? Is it happening? Are we seeing it? That's what we're going to evaluate by. And if it's not, then that's the focus. That's the vision for 2017. Grace. Everything we do. By the way, I like, we chose the word grace for this part. You could say gospel or you could share, uh, say, salvation or reaching people, whatever you want. The first part of go and make disciples is go, share the gospel with them. But that cannot happen apart from grace. And the reason why that's so important for us to remember is, do you know what grace looks like when we begin taking the gospel to those who need it? You remember that the gospel is for everyone. Salvation is for even those that don't necessarily look like you and I. Grace means that God extends for them the opportunity, his favor, even though they didn't earn it, so that they can be restored back to him in spite of how different they are. The gospel message, the process of our church is for those that don't look churchy. We've got to stop looking for churchy people. They, They don't sing what we sing. They don't like what we like. Sometimes they they don't act like believers or Christians or have the same values we do because they're not. I think, you know, I think, oh, they're sinners. Yeah, they're sinners. Their lives are sometimes complicated and it's a little messy. And if they come in the midst of us, they, they might smell different and look different, and they might, be, they might be what we consider, I don't want to be that anymore. But that's where grace comes into play. That's why it takes grace to reach them, because we have to extend them the same love, the same favor, accepting them in spite of their failures. Hello? Just like God does to us. Just like he does to us. I don't know if you noticed, but Chaplain Jim and Franklin's card, the ones we're going to hand out to kids as an invite card, on the front of that card, they quoted me. Now, I didn't invent it, I borrowed it, but this is what I said. A church where it's okay to not be okay. When we invite people, we want them to know you can come here even though you don't have everything all put together. You don't have all the answers figured out, right? You don't have a perfect, nice, neat, Christian, righteous, obedient family unit or individual person. It's okay. You're not okay. It's okay. We want people who are not okay to be here. We want people who are hurting and lost and confused and lashing out and and making all kinds of weird gestures and statements that we don't understand or can't identify with. We want them to bring their not okayness right here so that we can express to them God loves you and offers forgiveness for you even though that's the way you are. And we want you to know that. We want you to be okay to not be okay here. It takes grace. Of course, grace never ends. It's the 
method that we continue to grow and go and love one another. But it starts right there. First is grace. Number two is grow. And this is the introduction, folks. We're going to take the next several messages and break this down and look at each one. Grow. He says, verse 19, go therefore and look at this, make disciples. And then if you skip to verse 20, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded. To make disciples. It begins with the gospel. But once a person trusts Jesus Christ as their savior, they have a new beginning. And now it's time for them to learn to become just like Jesus. Do you remember how Jesus, see, how do you make disciples today? You know what? It's really not that hard, folks. Jesus gave his entire life to model it for us, and it's all recorded right here. Here's how you make disciples. You walk alongside them in life, and you show them what it means to obey the Father. That's how you make disciples. Remember, disciples, just if you could, if I could reach into your brains right now, that'd be dangerous, I know. But if I could, if I could form your perception of something, I'd be really careful with that responsibility. First, I'd put in there, Bud is a good guy. You like Bud. Okay. But secondly, what I, maybe even first, what I would put in is this. A disciple is one who walks after Jesus and learns to become like him in everything they do. It's like, it's like the, the mentee and the mentor. It's like the person learning their trade from the master. It's, it's not to become a church person. It's not become, listen carefully, a disciple is not necessarily to become just like you thought you looked like when you first came to church or what you look like today. A disciple isn't somebody that follows our church or follows our creed. A disciple is one who is being made to look just like Jesus Christ. The things that they do are the things that Jesus did. The things that they value are the things that Jesus Christ values and says is important. And they make their lifestyle more and more like his. They learn to respond to people like him. They learn to to govern the choices in their life like him. And certainly they become part of the mission that's so important to him. That's what a disciple is. To disciple someone means to teach them and to help them. Two important words for you when it comes to grow. How do we grow disciples? Well, two things that we look for. Only God can help us with these, but the first word is mature, and the second word is transform. Those are two key character traits of what it looks like to grow into a disciple. Mature. Think about that term mature. Maturity. Uh, Something matures. My investments mature, that's a good thing, at least I think. Uh, When a person matures, there's an infant, a baby, a newborn. What a precious gift God gives in life. And I mean, we're just in love with those babies, aren't we? And it's amazing that they even breathe and cry and all the little organs work. And it's just amazing, this gift of life. And and we can love them and and they can love us even as infants. But, but, But they're really an immature version of a person, aren't they? Like, I'm not going to go to the nursery. 
while you are all in here learning to be disciples. And I'm not going to sit down over the cribs and say, okay, guys, which college? You need to figure it out right now. Which college are you going to go to? We've got to know. Who's your, who's your spouse going to be? What, what kinds of decisions are you going to make with your finances? Now, come on, you've got to get these things. You're, you're a person now. We don't say that, right? Because there's some maturity that has to happen. Their capacity to understand increases. Their ability to, to, to comprehend and then by experience of life learn to make right choices matures. Physically, they, they develop and mature, right? They don't have teeth. They can't eat steak yet. But at some point when they're ready, it's because the teeth came in. Now they're ready. They're, there was a maturity that has to happen. That's true in the life of a disciple. We're always growing, maturing, so that we become more capable of understanding God's ways, more able to do the things that he does. We grow into that. It's a process. Are you with me? So the church, the church, what we are focused on is first grace, but then grow. How do we help people through that process of growing? So that they become more and more like Jesus Christ. Help them on their maturity journey. The second word is transform. To transform is, is to change nature in behavior, in lifestyle, even in appearance. You think of the, uh, the concept of metamorphosis, right? That's a transformation process. The butterfly is the most classic example. I like to use that one because at the end product, it looks really pretty, right? And that's a positive thing. So some, some metamorphosis, the end product isn't so pretty, right? But the butterfly is beautiful. I mean, it didn't start off that way. But, you know, it's larva and basically a slug, snot. And then it grows into this cocoon where it disappears, and then it comes out, and it's this beautiful colorful, delightful creature. The transformation is that along the journey of growth and time, that they actually transform into a different entity, a different being. That is true with the disciple as well. We transform by the power of God and the Spirit of God. There's an immediate transformation that occurs, and then every step after that is this metamorphosis. You know, when I first became a Christian, if I would have got up in front of you today, you would not want to stay in the room. I wouldn't have much good to say. I didn't know what to say. I didn't even know how to exercise my gift. But through the transformation in church growth processes, I learned to absorb the ways of God and learn to apply them in my life and my, my essence of being in the church changed. I'm a totally different disciple now than I was when I first trusted Jesus Christ. I've matured, I've transformed, and I'm still maturing and still transforming, and hopefully you are too. But if that's not happening in the church, then the church is not on the process that models after God's mission. We shouldn't allow that. It shouldn't even be possible to be part of his church and to not grow. That's what we're about. Grace, reaching people with the gospel, grow. By the way, wherever you are in your growth process today, let me encourage you, 
Praise God that you're there. Praise God that you're there. Maybe you're a new believer or you've been a believer for a long time and you don't feel very matured. And the more you learn, the more you think, oh my goodness, I'm really not very mature in this area. I have some transformation. You know what? That's okay to be there. There are people in all different levels and places in their journey along the process of growing to be disciples, and sometimes we have setbacks, and we all have different circumstances in life. All that is part of life. The important part is that wherever you are and no matter what phase you're at in your growth, that you are striving for and growing to the next, and that you're not satisfied to remain where you are. There should be an insatiable desire, not just with the individual, but with the church context, the climate, the atmosphere of our church to be growing, to be learning more and growing in Christ-likeness. And let me say one more thing before I move on because I think churches are really missing the boat here. Discipleship, the transformation, is not about knowing more. Some of us that have grown up in some churches, that's different. I've always been taught and, and, and it's been presented to me and I've been encouraged to learn more. Go to this Bible study, go to that Bible study, memorize these scriptures, learn that, read this, learn that, right? Of course that's important. But listen to me very carefully, church, very carefully, because this will determine the changes that we make next year and the years to follow. This will determine the direction we go right here. Knowledge is not enough to become like Christ. Jesus was far more interested with what a person does with the information that he teaches them. Their obedience, teaching them to observe. It means to keep, maintain with great perseverance the things that I have taught you. So that we're not just creating a climate where if you can understand it and then repeat it after me, and if you can use it as part of your lingo, then you're becoming a mature disciple. I've got news for you, church. We have entire congregations built on that level of spiritual depth. But it's not changing the way they live their lives. To know it doesn't mean to do it. You must know it, watch this, so that you can do it. We learn knowledge is important, but knowledge is for the purpose of application. So that's, that's how Jesus discipled, right? He, he would teach sermons, and he, he would preach, and he would speak, and he would, he would have lessons and parables, and he helped them to understand what it means to be a mature disciple, to be like him. Here's what it means. And then in everyday life, right there, where the adulterous woman was in the dirt, right there at the, at the well where he met that woman, right there at the table where tax collectors were doing their sin, he walked with them and showed them and encouraged them. This is what it looks like to do that which I just taught you. Classic example in the life of Peter. Remember when Jesus first meets Peter? He's going to teach a lesson, a sermon to the crowd on the hillside. And he gets into Peter's fishing boat. And he says, hey, set off a little from the shore so that I can speak to the people. Peter and his guys row out there, 50 feet or so. 
And Jesus uses the amplification off the water to speak the message of the gospel to large crowds of people. And he's teaching Peter and the fishermen at the same time. And then he says, okay, now we're going to practice. Now we're going to do it. Peter set out and set down your nets for a catch. But Lord, we've been fishing all night. You don't understand. I'm a great fisherman. No, no, no. My choices in life, the way I do things, my patterns, right? My doing is this way. And Jesus said, I've just taught you this. Now obey it. Put it into practice and do what I tell you to do. And Peter sets out to the deep, and they cast their nets, and you know the story. They catch so many fish, they can't even haul them all in. What did they just learn? They just learned something very specific about when their choice conflicts with God's choice. To do by faith what God calls us to do and experience his fruit. That's a little bit like abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit becoming a disciple. So we must as a church be be going, taking the message of grace, the gospel to people, sharing it, leading them to Christ, leading them to trust Jesus as their Savior. And then as a church, we must be directing every, every disciple, every person who's trusted Christ on a growth journey of maturity and transformation by application. And then finally... We move to the grow, the go part of the process. And interestingly enough, in verse 19 of your passage there, it's the first word. We started with the end in mind, and we've gone all the way back to the first word again. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Disciples. How many would consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ this morning? Anybody? You can be honest if you are. Okay. I do, too. Learn something about who you're supposed to be right here. Disciples are, by nature, goers. They're goers. We don't have the choice to say, well, I'm the kind of disciple that just stays here and, and, and waits the tables and, and helps set up and tear down. I'm the disciple who just, who just comforts um, my, my person sitting next to me when they're going through a tough time. Those are all wonderful things. And if you're abiding in Christ and he's leading you to do that, then it's bearing fruit. But you understand, you can't do any of that, none of that, without going to take the gospel and making disciples first. Hello. Really? Is that really what he's saying? Going must include making disciples. Write it down. Going must include making disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. I mean, guys, I don't, I don't know how to be more clear with God's word. This is the Great Commission. This is the central passage that governs what a church is supposed to do. And there are so many of us that are not going. But we consider ourselves a disciple. Disciples go and make disciples that go and make disciples that go and make disciples. It's part of the DNA of being a disciple that you continue to go and make disciples. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can't separate out the going. You can't pick and choose. A disciple is one who becomes like Christ. Well, let's see. Jesus said, I came for all the healthy. I came for all those who are church people. I came to sit on my rear end and enjoy the sermon 
He said, I, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I came to proclaim the message of liberty, to set the captives free. And if you're going to become my disciple, become like me, then that's what you grow in. That's what you learn to do. That's what you become. So if that's true for the individual, that's certainly true for the church and everything that we're doing, our process. Now, let's, let's make some distinction here because we're talking about team ministry in our church. right? Everybody is finding a place of service. And, and becoming part of a team where they serve in ministry along with others in the church based on their spiritual gift, their calling, the place God has put them. We, we studied that the last couple of weeks with the body parts. And you remember the eyeball and the hands and the ears, the whole thing that we did? That, that message, I thought we were learning to serve. So I can serve, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right here in our, our events and, and I'm serving people. I'm right here uh, in, in the context of a church program, and I'm serving. Be careful, because what we're going to see is that sometimes serving isn't necessarily going. You and I are to be serving, yes, but our serving must be, ooh, church, I hope you hear this, our serving must be directed from and connected to this entire process. If my service and spiritual gift is, is, is encouraging people, and I'm serving somewhere in the church to encourage people, it better be tied to encouraging people in the grace process to go from the grace process to in their growth process, and it better be connected in the going process. I'm also obligated to encourage those who are reaching Christ or those who have not yet accepted Christ. And my ministry should be to that end. We will not have at Cross Point Community Church. Get ready now. If some of you may want to leave after this, I don't know. We will not have a ministry or a program that is just for ourselves. See, but I thought we were, no, no, no. Let me help with maturity in your thinking right here. Of course we serve one another, encourage one another, love one another, but we do it all in the context of this mission, or we don't do it at all. There's no option in Jesus Christ's plan to do all the things of ministry that are touchy-feely and fun and good for one another that is not accomplishing reaching people with the gospel, growing them in their relationship with Christ, and sending them to go and make other disciples. If it's not causing that to happen, we are missing the boat. I'm, I'm, I want to be as strong as I can without being offensive. So, Holy Spirit of God, communicate this message right here. This is not about my style. This is not about my church growth philosophy. This is not about the kind of leader I am, the education that I have, the experiences I've come from. This is not about any of that. This is not about where you've become, what kind of church we were in the past, or what kind of church you've been part of. This is not about any of that. I'm not even thinking of any of those things right now. I'm thinking about Jesus Christ building his church. 
And if we can take all the periphery out of our understanding and just listen to what he's saying, go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. Go make disciples, just like he did it. Then everything we do must be tied into this mission. Everything we do must be helping this process. Does that make sense? Do you see this morning how that comes from the Bible? When we talk about the church and the purpose of the church, do you see how simple it really is that what he said? And, and if you think, what about this? What about sometimes it's just too confusing. Don't worry about all that stuff. We're not, that's not what we're called to do as a church. We're called to do this. Let me finish by describing the process a little bit and then we'll close. There it is as a, as a mission, as a process that will refer to it. But I want you to notice the arrows. Matt! I broke it. Man, I hope, hope Matt and his team have grace for me because I just broke grace. Okay, I need five volunteers quickly. We'll do, jeez. Five volunteers. Come on up. One volunteer is going to have to have a lot of hands because there's a lot of moving parts up here. I broke it. Okay. Here, Mike, you can take. Okay, Ty, you get grace, buddy, because I know you can handle it. Yeah. So do the best you can there, right? Yeah, you'll, you'll figure it out. All right. What are we doing as a church? What are we going to focus on? What are the programs going to be? Where are we going to spend money? How are we going to evaluate and measure if we're being very successful? It's all right here. Three characteristics about this process. Number one, the process is central. It's central. This, it's up here on the stage. It's at the center of everything we do. So central that if it doesn't do this, we're going to stop. We're going to get rid of it. We're not going to consider it. We're going to cut the fat. We're going to get rid of the stuff that's the good competing for the best. We're going to make everything about this. This is going to be central to every single Thing we do as a church, our mission. It's, it's so central that it will actually drive what we choose to do. We will do this. We will make this announcement. We will have this event. We will do these ministries because this is pushing us to, to, if I want for Ty to go from grace, he trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior, if I want him to grow and mature in his relationship with Christ, what are we as a church doing to grab Ty by the hand and take him along everything that we can do using our spiritual gift so that he goes to grow and eventually goes to go? You see, the, it's central to everything we do. Number two, it's sequential. The process is sequential. That means there's a sequence to it. You don't go before you learn to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't even grow 
I need two more volunteers. Can I get two that can come up the stairs relatively easily? Thanks, man. There we go. Got two guys. Right on. You guys, come on over here. I'll put you guys between. James, you come over here, if you would, and stand right behind these two words, and you can stand right behind these two words, right there. There you go. Hold your arrow up. It's sequential. People need to progress in our church, and it needs to be obvious to them. It needs to be clear. It needs to be available to progress through these parts of the development mission. How do I know if I've come, if I'm growing, how do I know, and who's going to help me, and what do I do to get to grow? I'm not supposed to go figure that out myself. The church is supposed to be making it possible to get me there, not hindering me. So the arrows are just as important. It might be that your particular giftedness or your ministry or your passion in the church, it might be your thing is you really care about getting people from this point to this point or making this transition. You're tired of seeing churches full of spiritual infants where nobody ever grows. And that's a passion of yours, and you're a discipler and a teacher, and, and you have a spiritual gift to help with discernment. Then, man, you're focused on, you know what? I'm going to serve in this church to get people from this part to growing. And that's what my ministry team's going to do. We're going to focus on that step, that transition, or this step and this transition. See, missions fits over here, church. This is missions worldwide. Go make disciples. Where did he say? Start in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. But notice, we don't focus on missions until we're focusing on grace first. So that when we focus on missions, it's not just, well, what's a church program? We can throw some money at it and say we do missions. So instead, it's part of your journey, your journey, your journey, my journey, our journey together of growing in Christ and going taking the gospel and making disciples all throughout the world. And we need help desperately with the transition between these two phases and, and how do I get from here to there and, and what is the church doing to help me to do that? What programs, what ministries? Sometimes we're doing a program, we're doing a ministry and all we have to do is begin letting this mission drive our activities and all of a sudden it changes radically, not the details, but the motive why we're doing it. And that begins to change and alter the actual ministry itself. When it comes from the heart and the desire to make disciples, it will change what we do and how we do it. Is that one more point? Is that becoming clear? Thanks for helping with that. The process is also cyclical. It's a cycle. There's no ending point. You don't get to the point where you've arrived. Mike says, ah, I've been doing this church thing long enough. I've done my part. Look, I am the arrived disciple. I am Jesus Christ in the flesh. I mean, would Mike ever say that? No, if you know Mike, of course not. But that means that he doesn't stop. He still knows that he's reaching out to people that are unsaved with the gospel. He's still growing in his own relationship. Part of his going is, is growing also. And as he's growing and maturing, then he learns to go. And maybe, maybe next year he goes, he goes off on a, on, a, on a 
project to help somebody who's had a, they've had a hurricane in the region and he wants to help with his giftedness. And then, and then as he grows and he shares Christ with some people while he's there and they get plugged into church, now this next phase, now he's thinking, you know what? There's some people all the way, some Muslims all the way on the other side of the planet. I want to be involved in taking the gospel to them too. And by the way, what about my next door neighbor? We don't stop there either. You see the cycle? Disciples make disciples who make disciples. Who make disciples who keep making disciples. That's the cyclical process. And even though there's a starting point and it's sequential, we still grow through these phases over and over again. And we're always finding ourselves at different places. But there has to be a mission. There has to be a direction. There has to be a purpose to what we're doing. There has to be a, a way to measure and evaluate success. This is what's going to blow, blow your mind, church. This is what's going to blow your mind. i got one more second, guys. If this is our church process, this next year when we go to team ministry, what we're going to be working with teams and the team leaders to do is to evaluate. That's a, that's a little bit of a scary word. That means measure how well we did. Measure what the results were. And we're going to be very intentional and very, very narrow in how we measure success. We're going to say, oh, it was a great event and this and we had lots of people and, it, and, and we reached people and did church work and, and it was all good and fellowship and all the other key warm fuzzy buzzwords that we use to say successful but this is what the staff leadership and team leaders are going to say how did we help specifically by name by family by instance how did we help this process where can we see people in our church moving through the process. And if we're not seeing it, then we're going back to the drawing board. We're going to change the way we do it. All right, give our, give our volunteers a hand if you would. Thank you, guys. You can just set that one down. You just set them down there. We'll fix them later. Why would you do such a thing? Why would you make this so central so important that you would use it exclusively to measure and evaluate everything that you're doing for one reason. Because that's what Jesus does. And he said he is going to build his church and it's his mission. And I'm accountable for it and so are you. I have one more slide that shows the whole process in an image, in a logo. The arrows are a little hard to see there, but you're going to see that, church. That's going to be, this year, that's going to be our central focus. Setting up this process, moving through the process, talking about the process, letting the process drive everything we do. Grace, grow, go. Hopefully you have a, a general concept understanding. Now let's begin to see how it applies to each one of us individually. Would you pray with me? This is the vision for 2017. Father, thank you for caring so much for me that you died on the cross and shed your blood. This morning, I, I, I run to you, Lord, Savior, Master. And kneeling before you and my heart standing before you humbly, Lord, I'm asking you this. What 
what do you want me to do as a disciple? How can I become more like you to go and make disciples? Maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Grace, that message that he accepts you in spite of your sin and forgives you based on his death. Hey, listen, would you just trust him right now as your Savior? Would you just give up? If that's your heart, would you pray with me? God, I I can't get to you on my own. It's my sin. It separates me from you. But because of your death on the cross, you offered to forgive me of my sins. And this morning, I just believe, I accept, I trust you. Come into my life. Transform me. Make me a disciple. And as you're praying this morning, if somewhere this morning God has touched your heart, his mission to make disciples. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar this morning. Just come on up here and kneel, stand, or sit and say yes to God. I don't know what it is. Somewhere he's speaking to your heart about going and making disciples and about us as a church. And From all across the room, every person, visitor, member, doesn't matter how old you are, who you are, if God spoke to your heart this morning about making disciples, would you come? Just come right now and say, yes, God. Looking for people this morning who will take this prayer time to be serious enough to go and make disciples that they'll go to the front of the room and go to the altar and say, God, I want to make this serious in my life. I want to do this. God, show me where to fit in the church body. I want to be part of a church that Grace reaches people and grows people into disciples and goes and sends. Lord, show me where our team, our ministry fits in this process and and what you're doing. Lord, help me to share my faith, to share the gospel with this person that you've put on my heart. Is there anyone here this morning God has put a lost, unsaved person on your heart? They've burdened you. He's burdened you. And you just need to bring that name to the altar right now and say, God, save them. Use me to share your love and save them for eternity. How do I become a disciple, Lord? Help me to obey, keep the things that you've commanded me. How about this this morning as you're praying God has just put on your heart revealed to you how wonderful a work he's doing at this church. That he is moving, touching lives. Young people, teenagers are getting saved, trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. We are seeing one another grow in maturity and we're starting to go and I just want to thank you Jesus. I just want to thank you. I just want to come to the altar and say thank you Lord. That's That's a blessing. Help me to be part.
this church and glorify your name. Let the name of Jesus be high and lifted up. From the rooftop to the neighborhoods and the schools. That everywhere in Reading and the communities surrounding that transformed lives are transforming this world. In this church. The church that you are making, you're building as you make it. Ask God, use us. Do that here in our midst. Whatever it takes, yes. finishing your prayer time, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. God, we bring our yes to you. We want to be a church of disciples that are goers in Jesus' name. Amen. Two things for you. Number one, um, we keep worshiping. We worship through giving this morning. And as the Lord leads you, we invite you to put that chat card with a response on the back something that you want to obey God in, a prayer request, whatever you want. Put that on the offering plate, along with your tithes and offerings as a a step of faith and worship that you would give unto the Lord. After this morning, please also don't forget on your way out, uh, if you're coming back tonight for the meeting to talk about team ministry, make sure you grab one of those team ministry overviews at the information counter. Review that before you come back tonight. And we will continue this celebration of following God in his process this evening to become the church that Jesus builds. Chaplain Jim, would you lead us in prayer? Oh, I'm sorry, it's not Jim. Chuck, come on up here. Chaplain Chuck. (laughs) Chuck Mellon, lead us in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the salvation you've given to us. Lord, we thank you for the grace that you show us every day, every moment, and that... uh, we would show that same grace to our neighbors in Reading. That would overflow as you are a giver, always giving, Lord, uh, that we too would be givers of our lives, of the talents, treasures, time that you've given us, that you would come first, and that that would pour out into obedience and love to you. And we pray now for these gifts to you, these forms of worship, Lord, that uh, they would be blessing to you, to the body of Christ, to grace, grow and go as you have asked us to do. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.